Psalm 119, verse 129. And I don't know how to pronounce it. It's P-E. Does anybody know how to pronounce it? Any Hebrew scholars here? Okay. So it's P-E. <laughs> it's physical ed. <laughs> okay. Psalm 129, or 119, verse 129. Thy testimonies are wonderful. Therefore doth my soul keep them. The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. Look, at, look thou upon me, and be merciful unto me, as thou usest to do unto those that love thy name. Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Deliver me from the, from the oppression of man, so will I keep thy precepts. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant, and teach me thy statutes. Rivers of waters run down mine eyes, because they keep not thy law." And so we are on the first page of this handout, and uh, it's been a few weeks again, <laughs> right? Since before the revival, isn't that right? Anybody remember? It's been a while. Anyway, number one is the hidden truth. I found out after I handed these out that I forgot to put blanks. <laughs> they're not blank. <laughs> so they're all just here. <laughs> it's the hidden truth that all the world may know. And that's verse 129. Thy testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, doth my soul keep them. And uh, so just I'm not going to go through all this, but number letter A is God loves us and our very best lives will be spent loving him, honoring him and keeping his commandments. And that's not to say that 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 translates to an easy life. That's not that's not the case, because we know that Paul and, and so many others and there are many Christians around the world who are suffering right now for the name of Christ. And so this isn't promising an easy life, just that it's the best life, even with persecution, even with all the struggles that we have, and even with uh, being an, uh, uh, having Satan as an adversary, it's still the best life you could have. Being close to the Lord and walking with Him, and it's still the, the very best life that we could experience uh, by having Him close to us. And so uh, uh, we, we, we went through all this, but uh, this is... All letter B, keeping his commandments instead of just knowing them is the distinction that is often underscored in his word. Keeping them is what demonstrates our love for God. And so uh, these three sets of verses here, all talking about keeping his commandments and uh, John 14, we will revisit in a minute. And so letter C, uh, before we get there, uh, Psalm 119, verse 129 says, thy testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, doth my soul keep them. So wonderful is the focus in this passage. And God's testimonies reveal that the God of heaven communicates his love, truth and guidance for a blessed life and communion with God. And again, that's why (laughs) that's why the best life we could have is walking with God and keeping his commandments. And so there's a lot of different things about that that we're going to look at. But uh, even with the challenges, even with uh, the adversaries that we face uh, as 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 the Lord tells us to walk this way, the entire world is going in the other direction. And it's just by natural uh, the situation being what it is, we're going to experience less than ideal circumstances. But again, <laughs> it doesn't matter because walking with the Lord and hearing his voice and obeying him, it's going to be the best life that we could have. So let her see man chooses his path. In loving and following the Lord, we find that he and his commandments are wonderful. Departing from him is the opposite. So, and again, specifically, this thought is is particularly applicable to Christians because we're the ones who God has 
come into our lives and he introduces his word to us, his truth to us. And then we choose we choose whether to obey God, whether to. And there's there are many people in the Bible and we could look at Saul, the first king of Israel and how he tepidly obeyed. He sort of half heartedly obeyed and uh, and God commanded him to, to do his will. And instead, he did what he wanted to do. And and with that, you, know, you look at Saul's end and it was miserable. It was the worst possible thing you could think of, it seems like. And um, and so anyway, uh, God calls his people to choose to follow him. You know, God does not make us robots. And there are times I, I, I almost wished I could be a, a robot because that way I wouldn't have to wrestle with temptation. I wouldn't have to wrestle with, you know, choosing to, to walk the right way and choosing to reject the wrong way. And there's so many things that, uh, that, that we have the, the world and we have Satan and we have the flesh. All of them are geared to disobeying God. And so our place is to recognize no matter what we hear from the world, no matter what we feel when our emotions or whatever, there's only one right way, one blessed way. And that's walking with God. And if by walking with God, you gain problems, you know, from the world's perspective, you have issues and problems because you're not walking with the world. God gives grace for all of that. And it's far better to do things God's way and do things for his pleasure and not mine. And so, again, man chooses his path in loving and following the Lord. We find that he and his commandments are wonderful. Departing from him is the opposite. And then Proverbs 16, 9, it's there in your notes. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. So a man's heart. (laughs) And we know what the Bible says about our heart. You know, it's deceitful and desperately wicked. So if you let your heart guide you (laughs) instead of submission to God then you're going to go the wrong way. And then then this is what it says in the latter part of that. But the Lord directeth his steps. And so a man's heart deviseth his way. Now, the other side of that is you can love the Lord. You can love God and you can want to please God. And that's certainly also done with the heart. But we have to recognize that that God's commandments. This is how we know what he wants us to do. By him telling us the right ways, you know, and there's so many, so many people I've heard many people say, I can't understand the Bible. You know what? There are enough black and white, solid, easy to understand truths just in the Ten Commandments. Now, granted, some of those like love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy strength. That's not really hard to understand what's being said there. The application of it, however, (laughs) To love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your strength and all of your will. Listen, folks, that takes things to another realm that you and I are incapable of obeying, except God should enable us. The entire Christian life is God working in us and with us and through us. And so our place is to yield to him. And so man chooses his path. In loving and following the Lord, we find that he and his commandments are wonderful. Departing from him is the opposite. So letter I underneath that, apart from him and walking in his ways is is nothing but vanity. And that's emptiness and vexation. So we're going to look at Ecclesiastes. It's here in your notes. And this is uh, Solomon speaking. He says, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem. And I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the work that 
all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. And so Solomon goes down this path, and he is, by wisdom, he says, he is examining all the things that are done under the sun. And so letter A there says, seven times in Ecclesiastes is the phrase, vanity and vexation of spirit. And so letter I, on planet earth, all endeavors undertaken without the Lord or his guidance ultimately come to, at best, nothingness, and at worst, the vexing of those that pursue them. And so, listen, life does not have to be vexing. Life for a child of God, and, and it does not have to be vexing. It doesn't mean you don't have adversaries. It doesn't mean you don't have difficulties because we're guaranteed those things. But it doesn't have to be vexing in the way that Solomon mentions here. It doesn't have to be this frustration that these things that I have pursued with all of my strength. And now, like he, he mentions all the things he has built and who and, and, and he and it dawns on him in, in Ecclesiastes, you read that the same event happens to the wise man that happens to the fool. They're both going to die. <laughs> and he says, then will who these whose will these things be? And I'll leave them to my son. And who knows whether he'll be a wise man or a fool. And so Solomon comes to the conclusion that he hates his own works. He, he is filled with vanity and vexation. So the, uh, the, the, the whole thing about pursuing things in the world is at vanity, it's emptiness, and it's vexation of spirit. And so part of what I think the message we're supposed to get from Ecclesiastes is sowing in this world for the sake of things you can get out of this world is a waste of time. At best, the best thing we can do with our time is live for God now and so to the life to come and not, not, not waste. And I, I, listen, I, I ask God all the time to help me because again, I, in, in my flesh, as I wake up day by day, automatically my mind goes astray. My mind goes wrong. It heads to distraction. It heads to, you know, bad feelings. It, 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 you know, I have thoughts that run in my head. I'm like, why did I let those thoughts run that long? Why did I stop it earlier? And so the point is, is we have all these things lined up against us. The only way to get through life with anything that is not a waste or vexing is to live for God, to live for him, for his pleasure, for him to be pleased when he looks into my life. And there is reward. Listen, there is so much reward for living for God in this life and in the one to come. Now, the, the, the treasures that we gain by living for God aren't the way that the rest of the world thinks of treasure. I'm not going to get some high, <laughs> high story penthouse apartment in, in the, the very. That's not what I'm gaining by living for God. And you look for at men of God like like uh, Abraham and David. They were great men of God and they had great wealth, but that's not where their wealth was. Their wealth was in walking with God. And, and, and God blessed them in, in ways that it's difficult for us to truly comprehend. And so with that segue, I'll go into my number two underneath that letter I is contrast this with David at the end of his life. So Solomon and again, God gave him the wherewithal to do what he did in Ecclesiastes. And my personal opinion is he did it so that we wouldn't have to. <laughs> I think that God gave Solomon the wherewithal to pursue paths under the sun. Pursue efforts, you know, and you see that he he said he got uh, men servants and maid servants, uh, singers, and he he pretty much pursued and got everything a man could pursue and get under the sun. 
And at the end of the road, he found it to be a waste of time at best and vexing. God gave Solomon the wherewithal to do that. I want to contrast this with David. And I was thinking about this today. So uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 29 and verse 9. And we could we could look at a lot of things here, but we, we'll just look at a couple of verses. So 1 Corinthians chapter nine, or chapter 29, verse 9. Huh? 1 Corinthians chapter 29, verse 9. What did I say? Corinthians. Look, guys, turn where I want you to go, not what I say. <laughs> 1 Chronicles. <laughs> Look, in my defense, they both start with C. <laughs> I didn't get there for 20. Something 29 seems a little high. <laughs> Go where I mean, not what I say. <laughs> First Chronicles, chapter 29. So, by the way, this passage is not in Samuel. Um, it, this is only here. So that's, you know... Anyway, it's pretty, pretty incredible what we, what we find here. So this is at the end of David's life. And he's, he's, uh, he's made his son king, or God, God uh, um, has blessed Solomon to become king. This is after Adonijah said, I will be king. And, they, and so all that's been taken care of. And so David was told by God he could not build the temple. So he said, thy son, who will uh, you know, precede you on the throne or follow you on the throne, he will build the temple. But it didn't stop David from preparing with all of his heart for that temple. And he wanted to build the temple, but he could not. So he did everything else he could. He made plans and he prepared in abundance. And so when uh, David uh, brought this before the people, he offered them the opportunity also to give toward the building of the temple. And they gave overwhelmingly. And the, the, the thousands of talents and drams of, of, of gold and silver and precious stones, the people gave. And so verse nine, first Chronicles chapter 29, verse nine, then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because with perfect heart, they offered willingly to the Lord. And David, the king also rejoiced with great joy. This is the last days of David's life. And he got to see the people all rally around and seek for God's God's temple to be built and they gave willingly and they made them rejoice doing it. Listen, folks, this is what God's work in your life can produce. The willingness to serve God and seek his glory and at the same time be overflowing. And you see in in Psalm um, uh, 23, the, the, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he said, my cup runneth over. The life lived for God is a blessed life. And you look at David's life and he had more adversaries. He had so many struggles and fights and and things he dealt with. And yet God gave him blessings as well. And you notice also every other king that follows David is compared to David. And it's because the Bible says that God said of David that he's a man after my own heart. That didn't mean he was perfect because he was not. Matter of fact, the Bible records some very public sins about David. And yet, God gave him this, that he could have this, this, this end where God is glorified, the people are rejoicing, and David himself rejoices greatly and rejoices with great joy. And so, um, with, you see that, you see humility, 
You see the giving willingly. You see the praise and the joy. That's the life that God can give us. And again, mankind don't produce those things that they that they that if they could sit down and plan it out, they wouldn't plan this out. <laughs> so if you contrast what what Solomon said and, and you know, listen, the record as it seen as it's played out chronologically uh, in Solomon's life, you have the end recorded for him that he did many terrible things, terrible things. And this is the man that God gave wisdom to greater than he gave anybody else in the world that walked on planet Earth. And so even with that, it gives me great pause to think that the wisest man on planet Earth could go so far away from God. Uh, I mean, Solomon's Solomon's walk. And again, it's it's what you see chronologically. I've heard people give the uh, the theory that the Ecclesiastes he wrote at the end of his life. That, that could be, I guess. But it's not recorded this way when you see the chronological record of Solomon's life. It only records his turning away from God, building temples for all of his wives' gods. The Bible says that, that, that his many wives turned his heart away from God. And so regardless of when Ecclesiastes was wrote, the, uh, the record that's given of, of his life is ending with him being punished by God or being disciplined by God. And so God also said to Solomon, he would not take his mercy away from him the way he took it away from Saul. And so there's there's a lot of things about Solomon's life. And but if you ask me, you contrast that with David's life. And God gave David a very wonderful end. And so letter B is God recorded for us in his word that there is a simple path. And this is in Ecclesiastes that God recorded for us in his word that there is a simple path that is pleasing to God and edifying to his people. It's right here in your notes. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. These are the last few verses of Ecclesiastes. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. So listen, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it's a long time getting here. A lot of things are sown. A lot of things are done. A lot of pursuits are pursued. But it's it's here that it all leads. And again, this is the man that God gave more wisdom to than anybody else on planet Earth. And God hasn't done anything like this since. And I, I would say the exception is the Lord Jesus, who was God. <laughs> and so uh, let, you see a Solomon saying here, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And if I, if I could turn back to uh, 129 or 119 verse 129, thy testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, doth my soul keep them. And so Solomon says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Now, after he has pursued every other conceivable path, he says, this is the conclusion. The best thing that you could do is fear God and keep his commandments. And so that's that's the conclusion that wisdom brings you to fear God and keep his commandments. Jason. One of the studies I Wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before the people who can judge this thy people that is so great. Mm-hmm. Not really spiritual wisdom. That as he got older at the end of his life. Yeah. Well, there's a, like I said, there's a strong contrast between Solomon and David. And for that matter, people came from all over the world to hear Solomon's wisdom. That he, so I think it was supernatural for sure. <laughs> Um, but uh, I, I would say that David had something that Solomon didn't. 
And he had a love for God. And that's actually something I thought about putting in here, that fearing God, loving God, trumps everything else. <laughs> you know, you could, you could be someone who just can barely put two plus two is four together, but you can love the Lord. You know, that, see, the thing is, is when the Bible says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy, that's something that if you're drawing breath, you can do that. And listen, again, our steps are ordered by the Lord. So if you love the Lord and you're in a hospital bed and you're not coming out of it by any, by, by all appearances and God has you there, then listen and, and listen, I think that we all naturally struggle with our circumstances if they're not good. Our perception is, why am I like this? Why? And there's people that have chronic pain. There's people that Christians, brothers and sisters who have chronic pain. And it isn't solved by medicine. They can't sleep well. And so the question could be, why am I in this condition? We may never know. But here's the here's the guidance that we have. If you're drawing breath, you can love the Lord your God and you can walk in his ways. You can refuse the evil that you have opportunity to. to and, and listen, and, and this is something Solomon said at the, that. And you also to what Jason was saying at the dedication of the temple. Listen, I, Solomon was a very he seemed to be someone who wanted at the dedication of the temple. He wanted to glorify God. And so at the dedication of the temple, he, he is it's a long prayer. He says, Lord, if your people get sent into captivity because they because they've turned away from you, then from captivity, if they'll pray towards this place, then have mercy upon them and hear their prayer. And, and so and he's praying all these things. And in that process, he mentions the plague of every man's own heart. And that's listen, that's very wise. It is true. Laying in a hospital bed, unable to actually do anything, you can have a plague of sin in your own heart or your own mind. Mm -hmm. You can also seek God. You can fear God. You can ask God to help you in your heart, in your mind, draw him, draw you into a close relationship with God. God has a purpose for everything. Nothing goes out of God's control. None of our circumstances are ever just the roll of the dice. And we, you see that from so many things in the Bible, specifically Job. Everything that we experience, God allows, or He sins, or He's doing it to produce something in our lives. Often it's correction. Listen, God knows best. He really does, all the time. And you and I barely ever understand the circumstances by which God sends anything into our lives. We never wonder, Lord, why did you send me this posterity? <laughs> Why do I have more money than I need right now? Why are the bills getting paid? We never say that. We, but man, man if you let things go south and we start saying, why, 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 why? Well, it's in God's hands. And we can say, Lord, I and, and listen, when we when we say, Lord, I'm having trouble making the bills, I need help. God certainly hears that prayer. And there is an answer. And God is going to help in some way. And listen, sometimes it's we, we've seen it in our lives. We've seen miracles of grace come our way because we needed it. And I, and I think sometimes, you know, you're just tempted so, so quickly to turn to the wrong things in, des in despair, you know, to, to run to some bad idea over here or over there. And uh, because you're desperate. And so our place is to seek God's face and seek his help, seek his provision. And the Lord is faithful always. And so. um Letter B, 
Okay. No, we just did that. Hey, how about that? <laughs> I was thinking, man, I don't know if we have time for this. <laughs> what? Quick thought. Why we always wait. I'm always puzzled. Why did Jonah wait three days before? Right. Because he waited. He was in the belly of fish three days. I think it says something to how bitter he was. Could have been. He was just so, so bitter. You can only three days without water and food. Well, and that matches, that matches most of us most of the time. Is it we're just so... Just so knuckleheaded, you know, just so slow. But in his rebellion, there's people that were not followers of God that believed and yeah. feared God. And, and, and again, that, that also speaks again. So, I mean, why would, and from Jonah's perspective, why would God send help to Nineveh? Why would God send a preacher to Nineveh? They are the most wretched people on the planet. They abused Israel beyond, I mean, beyond words. I mean, there, there's, you find out, you read some of the things the Assyrians did. And it was truly, truly heinous. But God was doing something that nobody could even envision. How could God send one preacher who would begin to speak on one side of Nineveh? Or I think he says that he went a day's journey to Nineveh and began to say, yet 40 days, Nineveh should be overthrown. (laughs) That was his message. No more, no less. (laughs) He said that. I don't know how long he walked, but he walked across the city. And that was his message. Yet 40 days, Nineveh should be overthrown. And yet the entire city, the entire nation of the Ninevites feared and turned to God. And, and the king commanded not even the beasts were allowed to, I think if I remember correctly, not even the beasts were allowed to drink water. Because they said, we are in bad, bad trouble. Listen, the Bible says that the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And, and, and you guys know how quick I am to turn to this, but... What's it going to take for Americans to fear God? And what soccer team is it? Some American soccer team forwent the American flag on their jerseys and have have pride flags. You know, and the thing is, is, is God has been so good to this country. He has been so abundantly still. Still, we have blessings beyond what any of us could ever begin to deserve. And yet. We are finding ourselves in this situation. I, I mean, I, I, I walked past the TV with the football game playing and or, uh, the, the soccer game playing. and saw a couple of guys watching it. And I'm thinking, how did we get to this place? How did we get to this place that sin could be so openly embraced? Mm-hmm. Listen, folks, it's nothing less than perversion. It's nothing less than straight out evil. There, there, there's sin. The Bible mentions sin all over the place. But he also mentioned things that are abominable. They're just beyond just wrong, beyond just sin. They're, they're things, and, and you know, the, the sin of Sodom that we read about was pride. But look at where they went with this. Isn't it interesting that the sin of Sodom was pride, and now people are calling it the pride flag? <laughs> and anyway, Brother Patrick. Back to Jonah. Yeah. Uh, here's a case of God repenting and is talking about them reacting, I think, to maybe what Jonah said. I didn't, I didn't read it up here, but uh, who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? Right. And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil being right. harmed. Not- he turned away from the evil. Yeah. Right. From the evil plan that he had. <laughs> right. E- evil evil all, often in the Bible means just bad things. <laughs> right, right. It doesn't right. mean sin. Right. right, yeah. 
uh, or maybe at all, I'm not sure. Uh, it probably does. And then he had, it depends on the context, and, and that he had would do unto them, and he did it not. Right. So the, the other versions take the word repent out of God repenting. Mm -hmm. They use the word turned and right. stuff like that, but they actually take the word repent out. See, if you can see that word used in that context as a reader, mm -hmm. you can realize, oh, repent doesn't mean repent of your sins all the time. Right, right. Right. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Yeah, and, and that passage is you know, so extraordinary. Jonah goes up to the... Uh, after he gives his message, he goes and sits on the top of a hill to go see what will happen. And he's not hoping for good things. <laughs> he's hoping to see fire rain down from heaven and wipe them out. And yet the Bible says 150 years, Nineveh was spared. 150 years, the mercy of God. The mercy of God. And so, listen, we are, we are to glory in His goodness to us. And uh, that's that's a good place to stop. So, any thoughts or questions before we close? Patrick? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I remember Jonah. <laughs> Patrick, can you say something? Yeah, somebody uh, I don't remember who it was somebody on YouTube Farmer or something like that. But oh, these these people they they basically they they do composting right and mm -hmm. they build up soil over time. But anyway, what they said was that if you compost and get the right microbiome in your soil. The plant has less trouble with pests hmm. and disease. Okay. Now think about it. As a person, if you basically build yourself up with the right food, and right. your immune system mm -hmm. in the inside is, is, is basically better. Right. And you could fight. Oh, I, I am sure that's true. Right. <laughs> On the outside, you keep the pests away, right? <laughs> well, and, and, that, and that, you know, I, I am sure that if we knew all of God's medicinal properties of all of his herbs, you know, I think it would be better than anything man can come up with, for, right. not just for fighting cancer, but for being healthy in general, and for that matter, our immunity. I, I, anyway, we're in a we're in a bad state. Like how much more important it is to build yourself up with God's word to fight mm -hmm. off everything that's coming at us? Amen. Absolutely, and that that that's absolutely true. That we are to walk by faith and not by sight. And I wonder how many Christians. Again, when I say Christians, I'm talking about people who are born again believers. How many of them are neglecting? Getting God's guidance on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. The Bible says to meditate in these things day and night. And there are Christians who, you know, maybe once a week or twice a week are getting some infusion of influence of God. And the rest of the time, the world, you know, is constantly inundating them. And the flesh itself is, is yearning to be fed. And the, there's an old adage. I don't remember if I heard it from Albie or, or who I heard it from first. But the, there's an old adage of a... Of a of an Indian that gets saved and they asked him, well, what's it like? And he says, well, it's like two great dogs on the inside, a great white dog and a great black dog. And they're, they're at war with each other. And they said, well, which one wins? He says, well, the one I feed the most. <laughs> Listen, it's true. Our old nature yearns to be gratified. And, and the Bible says that the new nature, the new man is at odds and is fighting against, and the Bible is very clear, the Holy Spirit and the flesh, they lust one against another. They're fighting with no, no quarter given. It's a, it's a total war. And, uh, and, and yet, Christians in their minds are, are walking along in life like nothing matters. Mm -hmm. Doing whatever, you know, yielding to the flesh at all times instead of yielding to God, seeking Him and, and being fortified by Him in the Spirit. So, anything else? All right, let's close. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your word. 
We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And Lord, we pray that you would help us, help us, Lord, help each one of us, Lord, to fear you and walk in your ways and keep your commandments and to seek your glory in this life and, and not uh, our own gratification, but help us to live for you and uh, help us to, to, to glory in you day by day that others can see your work and your, 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 uh, your planting in our lives. We pray for all the needs that were mentioned here tonight, all the needs that were not mentioned. Bless every home and every family, and we pray that you please uh, keep us safe, bring us back the next time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.